0: Turn on your semi-academic voices now. Uh, semi-academic voices activated. Activated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Good evening to all of my familiars out there. It is Not Your Average Witch starring me, Mickey, your not-so-average witch bitch, queen of them all. I'm here with you again on Maneater Monday, joined by my roommate, Camille. Hi. Um. Yeah, so let's get at it. Alright, so today, uh, as I told you guys all last week, we are looking into our sexy vampire women. Specifically sexy vampire women this week. Next week is less sexy vampire women, but vampire women nonetheless. Just to keep you there. (laughs) Um, So, I kind of thought we'd start off today by talking about Byzantium to start. Okay. Yeah. So, for anyone listening who does not know what Byzantium is, it is a 2012 flick that (sighs) rubs me the wrong way, I'm not gonna lie, I'm sorry. Um, It's a 2012 flick that is basically about this mother vampire who is very protective over her baby vampire. Um, We slowly see their story unfold, and... Basically, we get the perspective of the daughter, Eleanor. Eleanor is basically your typical lonely teen, other than the fact that she, you know, devours blood to stay alive. (laughs) And has this fixation on her story and what creates her story, and that's who she is as a person. And it's a story that she feels she can never tell because her mother is a slightly older vampire than her, and obviously they cannot blow their cover, but she doesn't know why. Um, We find out throughout the film that the reason that we are kind of keeping their identities under wraps, so to speak, is because the mother in the first place was never supposed to be a created vampire. Um, She basically got the ability to turn into a vampire from this elite, quote-unquote, brotherhood of vampires who she stole their map to their island where you become a vampire from. So a vampire doesn't actually create another vampire. They are created from this weird island thing that involves facing death, accepting death, and then everything rains blood, and then vampires. Literally is the best way I can put it. (laughs) Um, and the mother was never supposed to become one because she is a woman. The brotherhood let her live, uh, because she basically decided that she would spend her whole life avenging those men, those evil people, who basically prey on innocent women. Um... She was a prostitute, she was forced into prostitution by a captain in the military, so she kind of wants to take her vengeance out against men like that. And uh, her daughter becomes a vampire because she sneaks her away after the man who raped her to make her become a prostitute also tries to rape her daughter um, and give her an STD that would be terminal. Uh, yeah, weird fucked up story. So basically, in order to save her daughter's life, she takes her to become a vampire, but this breaks the code of the brotherhood because it creates another woman who's a vampire and that wasn't allowed,
0: so they're on the run for the rest of their lives.
1: Really complicated story to explain, I'm realizing after the fact.
0: Yeah, it's pretty convoluted when you have to, like, say it in a row, like, in a sentence. I guess it's, um, it's described as flashbacks in the film, so... Yeah. It kinda...
1: It, it makes just, more
0: sense, I guess, when you're watching it? It does and it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to
1: lie to you. I do not think this is one of the best thought-out films of all time. It's
0: yeah, convoluted. It's
1: a good word for, word for it.
0: The plot doesn't quite... Um, doesn't quite pique peak, no. peak my interest when you actually get into it. No. So, um,
1: if you haven't kind of put it together already, this is definitely not my favorite film of all time. <laughs> So, one, when we find out about these women's backgrounds, which we find out about the mother a little bit ahead of time, actually, we find out near the beginning of the movie, that she's forced into prostitution by a general that basically just rapes her in a brothel, and then that becomes her entire life, because basically Mm -hmm. he rapes her, brings her into prostitution, and says, you'll never be anything more. And then I think what I really don't like is that she's given eternal life. She's given this... Infinite amount of time to be able to build herself up as a character to even like she could work in fucking retail nowadays. And that's right.
0: She I even mentioned to you when we were talking about it earlier, even if she was trying to keep a low profile in a sense that she wouldn't get caught by the men that were chasing after her for becoming a vampire as a woman in general. She still could have done something other than prostitution. Like, I don't get why she decided of all the low-key things you could do to be, like, to keep that prostitute kind of mindset. Which I, I still kind of makes sense when you get that she's doing it for a vengeance, but... But she doesn't murder these men that she seduces, necessarily. No. So, like,
1: what you're missing here, if you're listening, um... Yeah, so in order to support her daughter all these years and keep a low profile, she's basically been prostituting herself. And she actually opens up the Hotel Byzantium as a brothel, basically, in order to bring an income. And yeah, what you're hearing is discussed is kind of my... I don't want to say uncomfortableness because it's not that I'm not okay with sex workers. I just hate the idea that we're looking at her as a feminist protagonist... When she's decidedly taken that, the man, this one man in her life told her you'll never be anything else, and she's run with that her entire mm-hmm. life instead of trying to turn to literally anything else.
0: She's greatly internalized that, and I don't want to say, like, if she didn't have her daughter that she was trying so hard to raise in a good environment, I wouldn't have any quote-unquote issues with her prostitution being her choice. Like, obviously, if it was just she's looking after herself and she doesn't really care, then that would be one thing. But the fact that she emphasizes trying to have this, like, I'm trying to do this for a better life for my vamp daughter and then keeps her in this, like, in a brothel, basically. Like, it doesn't doesn't make sense to me, putting those two ideas together.
1: Yeah, I just... (sighs) So, part of what got me thinking about this is because I was reading an interview with Neil Jordan, who is the screenwriter he worked on this set on this movie, with the woman who actually wrote the plot, um, I can't remember her name right now, uh, and they referred to it, so, like, the interviewer literally asked him, like, she has written quite a feminist take on a vampire myth. Does that appeal, Did that appeal to you when you guys were filming this? And I just... Jordan says yes and he agrees with them because basically... They, he casts them as like the women aren't victims, which I think is true. Yes. They're not victims <clears throat> because she chose this life for her. You know, she stole the rights and mortality away from somebody else. But then he calls them protagonists of life and death... That has that interested him, and then specifically says Um, to I'm just gonna read from this whole part. So a feminist or female writer of the 70s would have never presented a character like Clara, with her rather shocking ability to use her sexuality and tree killing as a kind of orgasm. Uh they would have never had a character exulting in their sexuality. I think it could have been written in present day because of the masculine feminine dialogue um, has changed. And I think it's something that could never have. I could have never written as a man, which, of course, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. I want to agree with him so bad. I want to be like, yeah, you know what? She is super powerful in her sexuality. Like, I. Do, I actually really like the way she kind of treats killing as an orgasm. I think that's super cool. I think she does try to, like... Inherently, her character is supposed to take it as empowering. Like, she is seeking revenge against these disgusting men. But at the same
0: time... (laughs) It's just so poorly done. It's so poorly done. That message doesn't translate in the film at all. No! (laughs) And, like, it's a good idea, and it's really good in theory, but just the way that they actually went about doing it was... It it just missed the mark. It missed the whole moral of the story.
1: And I think
0: part of what is
1: wrong with this is just that idea... We are given such a negative view of Clara throughout the entire film. Clara's the mom. Clara's the mom. Okay. So I, like, one, Eleanor is basically our protagonist. The story definitely centralizes on her more often. And she is just... For the lack of any other better way to put it, she's a sweet little bean. (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) Saoirse Ronan, the actress that plays her, she just looks angelic
1: herself. Yeah, but just this character, like, you see her, she only really kills to survive. She just wants someone to understand what she's going through. The people that she kills and drinks their blood, she gets their consent. It's old people that just want to die and move on, and... I like it's just she takes it in such a more beautiful way because she doesn't want to kill just to live she kind of wants to put it towards something better and I mean people call her passive I don't see her necessarily
0: as passive I just yeah I'm not really sure about that either because it's not as though she's just kind of Like, I I guess I could say it, she's not really, like, outgoing, so to say, where she's not, like, super in-your-face about what it is that she's doing and stuff like that. She is pretty mellowed out personality-wise, but I don't know. I don't know. Can you consider it passive when the person that she's following is her mother? I think by
1: comparison, she is... She's passive compared to her mother. Yeah. Because her mother definitely takes on that more dominant role, but, like... How, she wasn't given much to
0: work with. Like, you no. know what I
1: mean? Like, she wasn't allowed... She's 16. Like, she's obedient. She's that's forever for sure. 16.
0: Yeah, she does her best to follow her mother's rules, even though she doesn't agree with all of them. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's to say she's just a passive person in general. Yeah. Because she's still, like... She doesn't just, like, take what her mom says and then is like, okay, fine, then I'm not even going to think about it and I'm just going to do what you do and have no remorse and no, like, empathy or anything.
1: Well, and I think it's hard because I think what we get at worst of all than that is that her mother never lets her decide that for herself. Right. So her mother... Uh, Clara is such a domineering force. She is definition of crazy helicopter mom. She is Carrie's mom in the movie Carrie. She... Is doing anything that she thinks in her mind is correct so to speak to save her daughter right and so I think it's interesting that like um, Eleanor has kind of formed this own empathetic way to use her power to help other people you know move on who want to like just end their lives because her mom's never kind of let her explore what she would do if she was given the opportunity she's never let like, she's not allowed to go into the prostitution ring. Her mother right. doesn't let her do that. She's right. supposed to say pure. She's supposed to say innocent. So she doesn't experiment ever. So right. I think it's interesting <clears throat> that she takes this route in life instead. Yeah. I think it makes her much more relatable than her mother. But also, I feel bad because of her lack of freedom. Right.
0: She is extremely sheltered. Yes. I just... Yeah. It's it's something that
1: this, this ma- ma- maternal... Relationship comes up a lot. I was reading a different article by Barbara Creed that looks at Horror and the Monstrous Feminine. And it kind of just looks at the different ways that horror uses abjectation, which is basically like those extremes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Specifically to pull a quote that... In the child's attempt to break away, the mother becomes an abject. Thus, in this context, where the child struggles to become a separate subject, abjugation becomes a precondition of narcissism, which we can definitely see in the model. Like, her mother wants everything to kind of be her own. She wants everything to stay within her storyline. She's not willing to change until the very end of the novel, when she literally (laughs) just... Or novel. Until the very end of the movie, when she literally, like... This ancient vampire who was around <laughs> when she got changed. The one who advocated for her to save her life when she first turned over. Because, like, the vampires can't die in this movie. Right. Um, he advocated for her to stay alive. He saves their lives again at the end. So, like, one, these women can't even save themselves. Which
0: I fucking Right, weird. so they are kind of the victims. Of
1: yes. And then he saves their lives. And as soon as he comes back for Clara... Clara fucking kicks Eleanor out. Yeah. She like, it's this split 180 decision that like, oh, I need to be in every single part of your life. I need to be dictating how you're going to live it to so, boosh, get the fuck out. I'm actually going to leave you now. I'm going to run away with this hot guy. Good luck like that's what she this this girl has no idea
0: how to survive on her own actually very narcissistic the mother clara she has like the most extreme case of main character syndrome that can be like presented because she really is like you're gonna follow my rules you're gonna do exactly as i say and then literally at the flip of a switch is like okay adios good luck good luck like Jesus, like, you realize that there are consequences for her, your daughter, just by your actions, not just her own actions. And you can't suddenly go from being a
1: helicopter parent to not, like, and expecting your kid to be okay. Like, one, I don't understand how that emotional shift would even work in real life, because how do you go from being, Oh my god, my child's not going to survive without me, I need to be there for every second, to, Okay, so they've had me their entire lives, I know she's never had to depend on anybody else, but I'm going to leave her now. Good luck. She'll be fine, right?
0: It's that extreme narcissism. She yeah. doesn't even consider that no. her daughter might it's have any struggles It's as soon as that hot soldier her wants her again, exactly. she's full blown. She can't think of anything else besides what would positively help her.
1: Yeah, well, and I think the other thing that I liked about this, that it brought in, is that the article talks about the way the child really does attempt to break away from their narcissistic mother. And so you do see this throughout the novel. I mean, or... Er, <laughs> novel (laughs) you do see this throughout the film i'm sorry i'm an english major guys um (laughs) that you uh eleanor joins a normal school when she they move to this new town and live in byzantium she is trying to share her story despite the fact that her mother has explicitly told her her whole life like you cannot tell anybody this it's detrimental to her health and she forms a connection with Frank, which is her her boyfriend that she runs away with at the end of the novel. And she saves his life, which I think is badass. I think Eleanor has so much more to do. She has so much more to prove than her mother could ever give her credit for. Yeah, And, like, you really see her trying to, you know, pull away from her mother's narcissism. Pull away from that helicopter parent style. And Claire just drags her back in. Consistently drags her back in until literally the end of the novel when she's chasing down Eleanor's lover, Clara... Not Clara. Eleanor is locked in an elevator shaft. Like, no one can let her out. There's a dead body and blood dripping down on her and her mother has locked her here in order to go and kill Frank. It's just... It's insane.
0: Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's a very messed up relationship. It almost gives me... um. Like, Gypsy Rose vibes, where she almost convinces herself that she is doing this for the good of her daughter, when in reality, everything she does is for herself. See, and
1: that's when I see this flip relationship in American Horror Stories, season of Hotel. Right. So, right. Um, in that, we have Lady Gaga, queen vampire bitch of... Whatever city they're in. I honestly don't even think, I think they specify. Maybe Los
0: Angeles. Maybe
1: Los Angeles. Maybe.
0: And. Don't quote me on that.
1: Her character arc, though, it's not entirely touched upon a lot, is that she wants to, one, become a mother. Um, she searches her entire vampire, hundred year, uh, 111 year old life, trying to find these children that she can kind of kidnap and make her own, make immortal babies, basically. And then she has her demon spawn baby kept up in the hotel room. she's
0: got her real fledged up mutant child that she actually kind of- no, she didn't give birth to it. She did give birth to it or aborted-ish it. I think it was supposed to be aborted, but they took the fetus and turned it into some thing. Yeah,
1: it's never specified. If we can say yeah, that right now. I don't right think now. we get a
0: direct explanation. It's that.
1: about as uncomfortable and awkward as every way we just described it as.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely weird to see it. But
1: Hopefully she's definitely it. another crazy mommy figure. But
0: again, that's what I mean. She uses this excuse where she's only taking children from parents she deems neglectful. But when you look at her definitions of neglect, it's almost like... Can you really justify that? The parent looked away for two seconds. Can you really justify Okay, well, that? we
1: had a little bit of a background Tidge pushed into that, though. Because yeah. that had to deal with um, the March character yeah. who just wanted John to be pushed over the edge so that he would become the serial killer. And this was a good That's market true. point. He sold the child to Gaga. guys like, uh, look, if you do this for me, you get a baby out of it. And yeah. she was like, in.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess that that's true. But if you look at the other was it 3, two or three children she has? Maybe 4. I thought she had four altogether including the Oh, then you may be right. Maybe 3. Yeah. Okay. But the the one that got away, the girl, the girl. Yes. She talked about how she didn't want to see all the what the murder or something like that. Yeah, I think it's just she got away for a specific reason.
1: I think she got away from the hotel because of the hotel's murder. Right. I don't think it was necessarily Gaga per se. Okay.
0: Um.
1: I mean, because Gaga is a murderer as well. Well, but Gaga makes it explicitly clear. Like, one, her... Well, okay. So, the different... A parallel that we can pull between Clara and Gaga is the fact that they definitely do still get pleasure in killing. Yes. Like, I'm thinking back to episode one, Gaga's orgy scene yeah. with her husband in the bedroom. Yeah. Where they're both using seduction to lure this young couple back and then they slash their throats and kill them. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that's based more on pleasure than it is on necessity. Um,
0: yeah. But she does I just, also like, treat it like an orgasm.
1: She does.
0: Yeah. I just... I, I tend to sympathize more with her than I do with... Oh, Clara. I mean, by far, I sympathize more with Gaga. I mean, for one, her children aren't forced to kill their own people. No. She gets the She does it for them. them
1: so that they don't yes. ever have to worry about it. Yes.
0: And besides the last one, which she isn't coerced into kidnapping, the last child. Yes. We're made to assume that she kidnaps the other children from very neglect and hostile... Yes. ...parents. Yes. So... She does treat her children overall better. Gaga as a mom kind of just... One, I would love to
1: have Gaga as my mom. Let's just point that out right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Lady Gaga as my mother. I think
1: there's just something within her character that... Okay, so we're going to take a look at Clara. That Clara as a mom, granted she claims it's quote-unquote for her protection, she never lets Eleanor tell her story. And you know, especially because this is a 16-year-old girl, what is more important in your adolescent years than being able to, one, figure out the life that you've been living, and two, to be able to tell your story? That's the age that we are poets, it's the age that we're storytellers, we relate the most to music, it's...
0: I guess in the case between Clara and Gaga, Gaga's children are so much younger when she turns them, Yeah, that... um, they don't really have that kind of yearning, I guess, to tell their story. No, but look at the people that she adopts and brings into her life.
1: So I mm. know I brought this up earlier in our conversation, but Liz Taylor. Yes. She takes in Liz Taylor, who is this, you know, middle-aged man, basically. Um, his name is Nick when he we first actually get his backstory and, and he comes to stay at the hotel And Gaga learns that he loves to dress as a woman Mm -hmm. and that that is her actual persona. And Gaga transforms this man, Nick, into Liz Taylor. Mm -hmm. She encourages Liz to do whatever her heart's desire is. She encourages her to just take up her persona to actually fully be herself, which is why Liz never leaves the hotel. Mm -hmm. And I think if we look at Gaga as a mother from that perspective... right. Because I would say, yes, she treats Liz Taylor as a child.
0: Mm-hmm. As her child. She does really, when she loves, when she really loves a person. Yeah. She loves very intensely. Yes. Her first born child, which has like the demon in it, she is fiercely protective over. Um. Her children that she turns into vampires, she is very protective over it as well. Yes. If not more because they can walk around and be in the hotel as physical beings. And then you think of everyone else that she's truly loved, like her, her past lover, she really loves him. Even when she turns the lady of the last child she abducts. She yeah. takes care of her. She always watches wife. over her. Yes. Yeah. Because when she messes up, Lady Gaga's character is like, okay, well, you have time to figure this out. She's still being protective, but obviously in a way that comes with punishment, as you would as any mother would. Yeah. Like, you still want to be caring for them and give them a chance to fix yeah. their mistakes and, like, prove to her that they are worthy because she thinks they are to a point. Like, she definitely has that genuine love For those people she creates. She's territorial, but she's not a helicopter parent. Right.
1: And I think we see that because... And we see it branch out to so many more people. And the people that other people bring into her lives is because she is empathetic and compassionate. She is just territorial. Right. And I think that's one of the main differences we can draw between her and Eleanor is that she kind of lacks that... Eleanor lacks that compassion for anybody else. She lost her humanity along the way. She is... Clara, yes. Sorry. That's the difference that we can draw between her and Clara, is right. because Clara is a helicopter parent. She has lost the compassion towards the rest of the world. She only really has her daughter in mind. Whereas Gaga is so much more willing, the Countess right. is so much more willing, to be territorial over not only her children, but anyone else who basically enters her realm of being
0: right. and
1: proves themselves to care about her in a way.
0: Right, Because they both have a tendency to... Um, fake some sort of interest or compassion in, in people if she thinks that they will help them um, further their wealth or further their lives, their livelihood in general. Like, Gaga yeah. pretends to like people for different things, like money or sex or just for blood in general because she's yeah. a vampire. Yeah. But the difference between her and Clara is that she actually has, like, the ability... To show compassion and empathy for multiple people at all, in general. Because I could argue, like, you could argue that Clara doesn't really care for Eleanor like that, and that she's, like, lost that sort of empathy, that sort of compassion just over the years.
1: Well, and okay, so I was reading something, I was reading up on her, because obviously she is an icon for not only the genre of extravagance, but kind of just for the monster mm-hmm. side, we do call her, like, she is the monster mother. She is, yeah, like, her queen. her fan base is the little monsters. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally. And so, there's this article by Adam Gesky and Vicky Karaminis that kind of looks at Lady Gaga as, in her American Horror Story part, they look at her fashion, her monstrosity, and the grotesque. And if we scroll down... Oh, okay. So, it kind of... And I know that this was in part how her character was written because they obviously they knew Gaga was going to be on this season of American Horror Story. They definitely catered the part to her um, because Gaga is such an icon when it comes to um, kind of embracing yourself, embrace like you were born this way. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> to put she it in has her songs, the confidence in real life mm-hmm. to more than easily pull off the confidence that the Countess has in the show. Yes,
1: and so this article basically brings up the way that Gaga breathed new life into what they call old academic feminism. Mm -hmm. So Gaga not only brought pleasure and aesthetics into the struggle, but also, as Jeffrey Williams states, the performer has progressive sexual politics and often her platform to uh, advocate for gay and transsexual rights, which we definitely see... Throughout the film. Easily, yeah. Or the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think it's this aspect combined with the fact that her character is sexually uh, promiscuous, yes. Mm-hmm. But in a way that's so empowering for the audience to view. Like... <clears throat> <clears throat> I think it's more than just the fact that Gaga loves her body, her tits are on display consistently <laughs> throughout the film. Like, it digs deeper than that. It's something that within her the way that she uses sex she uses sex in the fact that like she can get what she wants yes but it's not as simple as like getting paid for sex like money she
0: uses it as like almost a superpower she she not only uses it to get what she wants because she's obviously very alluring as a vampire mm-hmm. but i think what i like about her portrayal of using sex is that she also just uses it for pleasure yes like she just has sex because she likes having sex. She likes to be pleasured. Like, it's not every time she's having sex, it comes with her killing the person that she has sex with. No, because it often doesn't. Right. Yeah. More often than not, she's literally just doing it to get laid, which (laughs) is the difference between, like, her portrayal of a quote-unquote man-eater versus, like, other portrayals of man-eaters where you only get them kind of enjoying the foreplay, but their biggest part is I get to kill someone. Jennifer's body.
1: Right. The Kumiho episode honestly kind of falls into this. Yes. And I think it's just... (sighs) Hmm. It's that and just when I think about her juxtaposed next to Clara. Like, yes, she's used sex to get it her entire life, but it's not because anyone told her she had to. Right. It's not because she's a prostitute. Because she's not a prostitute. She's very high-end. She's really made a living for herself. She just knows to attract the right kind
0: of people. Right. You know what I just thought... The difference between Clara and Lady Gaga is that Clara uses sex because she feels like she has to. Yeah. Whereas Lady Gaga, it's almost like an honor if you get to have sex with her. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. she's not like giving it out to everybody. Right. She uses it very strategically. Right. And it's not that like Clara was told from the beginning you're a whore, you're never going to be anything more than a whore. Right. And whereas Gaga's yeah. like, oh, you mean if I fuck him, then I can have control over this hotel if we're looking at James March. Right. Like, that's how she gets her home in the first place. She's like, oh, you mean I can meet with him? And then I set the terms. Right. We're going to meet. We have dinner once a month. That's it. That's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to see of me. Otherwise, don't bother me. Don't come to me. This isn't my business. Exactly. And she's like, but also to get those one month, once a month meetings with me. I get the whole penthouse. Right. I get to have my kids here. I can kill whoever I want on the property. I'm going to run this bitch. And honestly, if you disagree with me, come up to me with it at that one month meeting.
0: And she does that and he still simps over her. Yes. <laughs> like there's something so empowering with her it's character. It's not even like the intimidation. She literally makes these people fall in love with her. Yes. And it's something that we really don't see with
1: the other- with. With Clara. It's something Mm. that we didn't see in Jennifer's body, per se, because she only uses sex. She doesn't use love. She doesn't use, like, anything more than lust in her sexy body. Whereas
0: Gaga literally uses love
1: to get the hotel. And I think that's (laughs) why we like an emotive vampire. We like the ones that feel those human emotions. We like the compassion. We like the empathy. Mm. Because I think it can make them more empowering. I yeah. think combined with sex if when we know when we when we retain our humanity as monsters. Yeah.
0: And when you look at it also from like a feminist point of view, it's nice to see that the woman is wanted for more than just whether or not people want to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like most of Lady Gaga's victims were people that literally were in love with her. Yeah is, like, super empowering. Because then it's like, yeah, she's, like, a crazy bitch that does what she has to to get what she wants and she kills people because she's a vampire. But at the same time, it's so badass that she also has people that just simp over her even though she clearly does not care about them at all. Yeah. Versus, like, just having people look at her because, oh, she's hot. I could have sex with that. Like, that's it. You
1: know what I also really liked? And honestly, this goes for both movies because I thought it was quite interesting well movie and tv show um <laughs> is that it takes away the vampire fangs and the act of penetration outside of sex mm. so in both ones in gaga's gaga has this badass metal glove mesh diamond glove that like each of the fingers is pointed into like a metallic tip and then she can just slash their throats yeah in byzantine or byzantium We see that, like, it's their thumbnails or their pinky fingers, something like that, um, elongates when they basically get thirsty, and they can use it to slash and or penetrate the neck. So I don't think Byzantium doesn't do it as well, because, like, I think it's interesting that both of them are fingernails, but Byzantium still focuses on it being an act of penetration when, like, the thumbnail breaks the skin. Yeah. Whereas Gaga mm. full-on slashes, she gets yeah. rid of that patriarchal need to penetrate in order to be the
0: more dominant character, mm. and I think that's so cool. Yeah, she's got, like, these diamond-studded stiletto press-ons on these black <laughs> lacy gloves, yeah. and it's so just... Feminized, campy for one thing, and, and campy. Fam- like, yeah, Feminized. Feminized. It can't be feminized. And it just looks really good and it follows with like it just goes along really well with her aesthetic of being like this high class. Yeah. But Asian. even like the
1: men yeah. don't have fangs. So like any penetration that happens at all during this show is literally via sex. No, I just think it's a very interesting take because it's something that's so feminized. So like the long, bougie acrylic nails is something that's very feminine, obviously. I like.
0: Yeah. Any men that, that we have that have the them are very androgynous.
1: Ad- yeah. The stiletto shade, the pointed nails. And then the fact that it's not a stab. It's a slap. It's just... Yeah. It takes away that need for penetration, I think that is the coolest thing that we've seen vampires do, because it's like, yeah, you're fucking right. Like, whenever we see those, we're always like, oh, okay, the woman's the monster because now she can penetrate. Like, no, she's not even penetrating. The woman is the monster because she's the monster. This has nothing to do with a masculine form or a feminine form. This is all about who is dominant.
0: And those are those types of things that you don't really think about when you when you normally see things like that. Like when you think of like <laughs> how were you turned into a vampire, you think of like, oh, bite marks on the neck. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't think of like, oh I slashed my wrist and I gave Make you that. some of my blood. Yeah. Yeah. So it is definitely like a it's very subconscious, but yeah. I mean so is all kinds of propaganda and like But she, I feel like
1: that that like form her. of it's so much more intimate. Yes. The fact that you have to slash them and give them your blood. Like, it's it's not that I bit you, I penetrated you, now you're a demon. It's literally that I need to give you my consent to become one of me. Right. And I think that's just so... It puts... It honestly... It, it puts the quote-unquote villain in a more victimized sense. Because no one's going, like... You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... it's They're not the dominant one. They're the passive one. I'm doing... Like, I'm doing the giving, but you have to accept it. Right. Yeah.
0: Right? There's a certain level
1: of consent that's involved, even. Yeah,
0: that is true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That would have to come with consent, because unless you're finding a way to seriously maim a vampire enough that you get their blood yourself, they have to be willing to just... Yeah, and because
1: this is the stronger being, it's yeah. the superhero. It's superhero. It's the super. Yeah, no, I guess superhero. It's the super. It's the super strength that's involved with yeah. them. They are faster. They are mm-hmm. a little more durable, even though they can still die a very humane death. Oh my god, that 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 level of consent is just so crazy because it's literally, it's it's literally the more dominant being being like, all right, slash here, and I'm gonna sit here while you drink my blood and choose to drink my blood so mm-hmm. that you can change. And then you can become one of me. Yeah. Well, anyway, just to wrap things up tonight, I think we still are on the same track that, like, the thing that makes vampires so much more... Well, the thing that makes a modern vampire succubus man-eater trope much better and much more feminist (laughs) nowadays is still that idea that, like, we need empathy. Yeah. And I think it still depends on the way that they use sex because we did definitely define that Clara uses it worse than Gaga does that we want it to be seen as more than just like this is what I have to do this is Mm -hmm. what as a woman this is what I can make money to do like it's you need it used in an empowered sense
0: yeah and even if they lack empathy I think it's good to give them more of like a personality some sort of something else besides just being hot and being a vampire yeah you can create I I Refuse to believe that it is impossible to create an apathetic, yeah, succubus slash man eater slash vampire woman that isn't still a well written, interesting character. Fair enough, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Um, that's basically
1: once again, we're going to be having this looking forward to next week. Uh, tune in to hear us talking about. Let Me In, which is the westernized written version of Let The Right One In, and we'll also be looking at A Woman Walks Home Alone At Night, which, if you haven't seen, highly recommend. Please do it for next week. Women vampires are fucking badass is basically how we're wrapping up this episode. (laughs) (laughs) They're fucking badass. Just give in. Just give in. So anyway, I am not your average witch and I will see you again next week for Maneater Monday. Bye guys.